0: Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's Jeremiah 1.5, and that's what we're talking about today, life. God had a plan for you before you were born. God chose you before you were born. And we need to think about that. We need to live our lives according to that. And we need to figure out what that means for everything we do. Including what we say, how we act, and how we love one another. Thanks for coming to Church Public. Here we go. Hey, thanks for joining Church Public. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and if you would like to support us, we could certainly use it. This is a labor of love at the moment. It takes time and resources. You can go to churchpublic.com support. You can pray for us. You can give either a one-time or a monthly gift, and we certainly appreciate it because we want to continue to bring compelling content to help you engage with the church and the community. So Thank you for checking us out. You can go to us at social media at churchpublic on most of those things or go to churchpublic.com. Again, keep the faith. All right, so we just heard from Jeremiah, and there are many others like him in the Bible that refer to life and when life begins, and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about life, we're talking about the value of life, and especially we're talking about where life begins, because that's really important. It's really important to understand where life begins so we can have an appropriate conversation about what to do and how to love one another. Life is a gift from God. You hear that in Genesis, in Genesis 9, you hear that in Psalms, Psalms 36, a bunch of other Psalms, and you hear about how God views this life, and he has given it to us as a gift, and we need to treat it as such, not only our own life, but we need to be champions of those, especially that cannot fight for themselves. The Bible talks often about widows, orphans, and... Jesus talks often about the little children and how he values so much children. And we need to pay attention to that. He didn't say that for no reason. He didn't say that just to be cute. Jesus said, let the children come to me. In other words, there was this moment when the disciples, and some of the Pharisees were there, and they're all just talking, and these children are trying to, you know, come up and and love Jesus, and, and the adults in the room, right, are like, hey, hey, this is adult time, like, we're talking with Jesus, and we're having intellectual, theological conversations, and Jesus is like, hey, children are really important. You guys don't even understand how important children are, and we need to take account of that. We need to realize that is a true thing, and we need to pay attention to that, especially now, especially with what's going on. And I'm going to tell you some news reports in just a moment as far as what is going on in the world, what is going on in the administration, and honestly how they view children. And it's a little bit sad um, to me. It, but before we get to that, we need to look at what God says and what he talks about and and, and what what his view on our whole lives really is. We heard from Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Um, There are other ones. Psalm 139, 16. This is a psalm that David gives about how amazing it is that God has made him and made him in such a way. And he you should read 139 it's really good i'm just going to read verse 16 right now but but read the whole thing it's it's really good about how we are made and why that's important and why we should be blessed and honored and feel special because of who god made us to be and that he had a plan for us it wasn't accidental you are not accidental you are a child of god made in his image and that's so important for us all to know And so in 139.16, David says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What a great statement. Before any of the days came to be, God, you knew the plan you had for me. You had a plan for me. You wrote them down in this book and, and you brought me to life and then have this plan for me. Like What a great view. Because again, I hear from people who are struggling with God and who are struggling with the concept of God that they they, they think that either there is no God and this is just flesh and biology and by some, I was going to say miracle, I guess if you don't believe in God, there's not such thing as a miracle. So I don't know what you call it. By some happy accident that you came into existence and then for 40 or 60 or 80 years you live and then you turn back into dust and earth and that's it and i mean ugh, what a sad view right i mean at a, you know solomon talks in ecclesiastes about how meaningless life is we'll, we'll do an ecclesiastes study later i'm working on that but but how meaningless that would be if this was all there is and all you are is flesh and and then you die i mean yeah, I can understand why you would be hopeless if that were the truth. Now, I happen to believe that's not the truth. I happen to believe, like this is saying, the Bible is saying, that we are not only made in God's image, but he knew us before we were born. He created us in such a way that we actually had a plan, and we had something to do. Paul says in Ephesians that he created works in advance for us to do. Like, we have a job, and it's a good job, and the job is to share the love and light of Jesus, and I'm really excited about that. But, I was talking about Psalm 139, 16, and all of these days were written in the book of God before you even came to be. That's important language, before you came to be. That means God knew you and designed you before you were born. Um, and uh, we talked about Jeremiah 1, 5. We, uh, Paul, who talked about this to the Galatians, he said, be, I'm sorry, but he who had set me apart before I was born had called me through his grace. In other words, and and you have to remember, this is before our modern amazing science. They didn't have ultrasounds. They didn't know exactly what was going on in the womb. They just knew that something was going on and they listened to God and his spirit and his voice and the truth that they had even back to Genesis that God knew you ahead of time, had a plan for you ahead of time and and Paul carries this thought on and tells the Galatians that God had a plan for his life. Even Paul, who, by all accounts, before he came to Jesus, was not a great guy. And we'll talk more about that at another time. But God saved him and used him. And God wants to save you and use you. And he says to the Ephesians a similar thing. This Ephesians 1. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, for giving us through Christ every possible spiritual benefit as citizens of heaven. For consider what he has done. Listen to this. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us to become, in Christ, his holy and blameless children, living within his constant care. Before the foundation of the world, not only did he know you and have a plan for you before you were born, apparently God had a plan for you before the world was formed. That's such a huge statement, right? Like, it's it's not like God just dropped you on this earth and then went and took a nap on Mount Everest or something. I don't know what people think. I don't really understand that view, but... But no, God has a plan for you, had a plan for you for all of eternity. And listen to this, I love this, living within his constant care. Like what a great thing, right? It's, it's not just that he had a plan for you, that he created you, that he formed you, that he made you in his image and put you on this earth. He also has constant care for you. Now And I love that. I love that thought, especially in these dark times when, it, when you can feel lost, when you can feel alone, when you can seem hopeless. You can know that you're in his constant care. I love that. So, and then just to move on to, of course, Jesus. Jesus was um, born of an unwed mother and a teenage girl named Mary. And in that culture, I mean, that wasn't great. In fact, like they had rules that unwed mothers could be killed um, for their infidelity, and and that was terrible. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we're here now because of of Jesus. And, and Jesus and his cousin John met in the womb when when Mary and Elizabeth were both pregnant. The two of them met, and apparently, John. It says, through the Spirit, got so excited in his mom's tummy that John leapt for joy. And they knew that there was a connection there. Jesus and and John the Baptist, that's who we're referring to, later on would would meet and, and John would baptize Jesus at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But again, even in the womb, before they were born, before they were, you know, children even. God had a plan, and God's Spirit was moving, and that's important to note. And what we're talking about today is, honestly, abortion. And it's such a big issue, and it's such a big issue in the church, and it's a hot button, and sometimes I hesitate to even want to talk about it because I don't like offending people, and I don't like making people mad, and you probably have the same thing. You probably don't like offending people, but we're in this place where I've said a bunch of times here on this podcast, and and will continue to say, unfortunately and maybe especially in this culture where if you follow jesus you're going to offend people the idea of god offends people the idea of following jesus offends people the idea of a higher power than the authority of the government offends people the idea that there are certain rules for life certain certain guidelines that god gives you for an abundant and better life the idea that those don't come from whatever utilitarian philosophy the current culture has is very offensive to people. And this happens to be a very hot button and, and one of them. Because you hear something like it's my body and my choice. You hear that why why are you getting involved in my right to choose? Um and that's we it's such a hard conversation to have because again, I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I turn it back to like Whose rights are we talking about? And again, if you believe the Bible and you believe what the Bible is saying, then you believe that life begins, I mean, if you, if you go scientifically, if life begins at least at conception, and that's just a scientific fact, but I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to go to the Bible and say, your life was formed before you were born, Apparently God knew you and had a plan for you before the earth was formed because God is an eternal being and you are an eternal being and God has a plan for your life and God has a plan for everyone's life. And to stop that life just because you don't want that life in every other case would be considered murder. I mean, if you have a two-year-old and you suddenly decide this two-year-old who's in the terrible twos, and believe me, I've had four of them, And all of a sudden you decide, I just don't want them to be alive anymore. Like everyone knows, everyone knows that's wrong. Everyone. But for some reason, when the child is in the womb, we decide that it's okay to kill it because it hasn't come into the actual world yet. It's so beyond common sense to me that I I just don't understand it. I mean, at, at what point does your toddler or does your teenager or does your adult child become to or to come to have so little value that you can just remove them from the earth but for some reason we're okay if we can't see it. it's like out of the biggest out of sight out of mind i can comprehend because we can't actually see it we don't believe it exists and i'm using the word it because that's what they use but the reality is because they can't see that person that human they don't believe that human exists I think it's very important to humanize this because we're talking about human life. We're not talking about a clump of cells, as is the argument. It's clearly not. It's clearly not. And again, there's a lot of scientific things that we can get into, and I'm not going to get into those today because I want to focus on the spiritual. At Church Public, we want to focus on the combination between church and culture and and faith and and what you do. And as Jesus said, two things, love God, love one another. If we are to love one another— we have to actually love one another and have these hard conversations of, hey, loving somebody means letting them live. I mean, that's, that should be the ultimate reality. And it should be so common sense and no-brainer. And for some reason, it's become this crazy hyper-political debate um, that, that people get really ugly and nasty about. And they feel like they have rights over other people's lives that... They don't have. I mean, the reality is you don't have. Again, at what point in society can you walk around and take someone's life for no reason? In every other case, that is clearly murder. But in this case, for whatever reason, we have decided that it's okay to take that life with no explanation, with no reason given. And I mean, you look at countries like uh, Denmark and I think Iceland, there's some other countries over there. They say they have eliminated Down syndrome. There's no more Down babies. And you say, you say well, how is that possible? Like, you know, what, what did you do? New vitamins or anything? No, no. What it means is that their ultrasounds and tests are so good that when they identify a Down syndrome baby, they terminate it immediately. That's terrible. That's brutal, brutal to say. But that's the reality. That's how they say they have eliminated Down syndrome. And, and that just... Uh, it should hurt your heart. It's so terrible saying that because a person is not developed enough to whatever standard you're holding, they don't get to live. Again, in what part of life or society would that be okay once a person is out of the womb? And, and the answer is none. But for some reason in the womb that's suddenly okay and and as a church i mean i'll I'll, I'll be honest and, and frank like i don't think we've done a good enough job saying hey this is not okay this is not an okay thing that's happening and i just want to give you a couple of statistics so you know the numbers we're talking about i'm not talking about five per year i'm talking about in 40 years there have been around 60 million abortions that's an incredible number. Just in 2019, just in America, there were around 180, 60, 860,000 abortions in America. Um, And and just to keep that in mind, because we're in this pandemic and that's all anybody can talk about. You know, that's twice the amount of people that have died supposedly of this coronavirus. Because we're in the 400s now. That's twice the amount of people uh, that died of coronavirus were, were babies that didn't have a chance. And keep in mind that 93% of the coronavirus deaths were over 55 and 100, more than 100,000 now at this point were over 85. And again, you never want to talk about death lightly and there are families and there are friends to every death and I understand that and I feel the weight of that. Believe me, I do. However... Most people would say, if you lived to 85, you've lived a pretty good life. I mean, most people would agree on that. Most people know they're not going to live forever. For some reason, we are acting like we're going to live forever. And I believe we are in a spiritual sense. That's what I talk about. And that's what I believe from from Jesus. However, in this body, if I make it to 85, I I, I feel like that's that's a great accomplishment. You know. And so, again, this is sad, but we're talking about these poor babies that were never given a chance to live. Maybe they wouldn't have all lived. I don't know. But again, you're not giving them a chance. So it's just terrible. It's a terrible tragedy. And the reality is, you know, I hear people say, well, that's because we're overpopulated and and we're going to destroy the earth because we're like, you know, uh, cockroaches or locusts and, and there's too many people. The reality is that's not actually true. And you probably haven't or won't hear this in the news, but we are actually at a population crisis Um, in the past couple of years. Global fertility rate used to be 4.7. It's gone to 2.4 globally. And if that number doesn't mean anything to you, I understand that. But 2.1 is the number for population stability. In other words, your fertility rate, the amount of babies you're having in a given population has to be 2.1 to maintain the economy to maintain the city function to maintain the society and globally it's at 2.4 now here's america america currently is at 1.7 that is below the 2.1 threshold which means that's a big problem america is not having enough babies to sustain the economy to sustain the cities to sustain the uh the society at large and And some are better, and some are worse in terms of cities and 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 counties and and states. The lowest that I read was actually washington d c and it was one point four that's that's a lot lower than the two point one that's needed so this this argument that we're going to overpopulate the world is is just false, like statistically patently flatly false um but that's that's not even my biggest argument because again, I think the spiritual the moral argument is the one here that is Taking a life for no reason is never a right action. Now, the reason this is important, and the reason it's important to talk about today, and hopefully you've made it this far, and I appreciate it. If you haven't thrown things at your screen or thrown your screen out the window, and if you have, well, then you're not listening to me at this point anyway. So, thank you for getting this far. And the reason it's important right now is what's happening in the current government and the current administration. So, um. There are a bunch of people who are talking about these things. You have people talking about it flippantly. You have talking people talking about it religiously. Like Nancy Pelosi was on Hillary Clinton's podcast called You and Me Both, and they were talking about abortion. Pelosi said she is dealing with great grief about this evangelical and Catholic support of Trump just over the issue of abortion. And she said, quote, they're willing to sell the whole democracy down the river over abortion. In other words her view is that I guess dumb and mindless people like me think this whole society is worth preserving the lives of these children. And I mean, I guess in that sense, she's right, but she feels like I I am, I'm reading into this, but it it sounds like she feels like we're um, willing to destroy America just over abortion. And uh, anyway, she's kind of about to lunch. We don't need to spend too much time on that, but But it's clear there's a side of this that is very degrading and doesn't understand the morality of this and doesn't understand this, what I would call, and you've heard before probably, sanctity of life. Sanctity of life is very important. And as believers in God, as Christians, as people who are supposed to love one another, you need to believe that loving one another is important too and that life is important and that life begins before you're even born. Um, And so here's some of the things that are happening in the government right now. So you have um, the Mexico City policy. Biden is going to revoke that. If he hasn't already, it's kind of in the works right now. That policy requires that non-governmental organizations, NGOs, cannot receive federal funding if they're providing abortion services or even, even doing abortions, that the U.S. government doesn't give them money. He's rescinding that. In other words... We're going to give money to organizations that do abortions around the world. I don't love that. You probably guessed. Anyway, and then Biden has denounced the Hyde Act. The Hyde Act, um, which he supported up until and through maybe even 2019, by the way, of his 47 years in office, but all of a sudden he's against it. At any rate, the Hyde Act is a policy that prevents federal funds from being used for abortions. So, in other words, your tax dollars will go to abortion centers period now you'll say you know the government will say well it's not directly going but money is fungible that means like you give money to the government and the government gives money to these abortion centers so you know a plus b equals c you're giving money to the abortion centers is just how it works and again i don't love that i I'm not going to make illegal actions at this point. I'm not going to say I'm not going to make a legal case. I think at the moment I'm making a moral case. Um, Everyone has to make their own decision. Everyone has to make their own choice. Everyone has to choose whether God is real, whether they want to follow God. I'm not going to argue that right now. What I am going to say is I don't want to support that. My choice is that I don't I don't want to have to pay for that Um, because I don't think it's right. And everybody's going to have to make their own decisions and, and deal with their own conscience and deal with their God. But I, I don't feel like I should be forced to do that. Right. Th- those are the questions of where's the government and all this. And I don't think the government should be involved in paying for this service because I believe morally it's killing, it's murder. Um, and th- there's a bunch of other things. I- I'm just going to leave it at that. Cause I've gone longer than I wanted to, but The reality is is, abortion is a really important topic. It's an important topic for the church. We need to begin to talk about it. We need to not be scared of it anymore. Um, And I'm sure people will not like that I've said all these things, but I, I believe this is what God has said in his word. I believe this is the spirit of Jesus in saying that the children are really important. God saying that there is a plan for your life. There is a plan for every child's life. And who am I who are you to say that child has no right to exist I just can't envision a world where that is the case and yet millions and millions and millions of babies are killed because of some reason and it's not you know it's only like I looked at the stat it's only like two percent are medically necessary and it may even be less than that um so 98% are just choice. 98% of, of these procedures, these abortions, are choice. And and, and I want to say, too, I want to have a heart about this. If you have had an abortion, if you know someone who's had an abortion, like there is mercy and there is grace for that. And I don't, I don't want to appear heartless. Hopefully I don't. Like This is a terrible tragedy. And as a whole, we need to deal with it and speak to it and speak truth and life and grace to it. But if this is something you've personally dealt with, I I, I cannot imagine how hard that is. And, and I, hopefully you don't feel any guilt from me or shame from me. I just want to say that God loves you and we all make choices that are not the best choices. And that is the grace of God, honestly. That is the grace that we get from God because we haven't made good choices. And I want to also extend that um jesus says in matthew blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy and and if you need mercy then you you should get it if you need the mercy of god it is there for you and i hope that you can feel that i hope that you can know that as always i thank you for tuning in hopefully you have made it this far god bless you and keep the faith.